The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmony sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in the works of are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And good day to you Americans. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about. I hold to the book of the Bible as a authority. Word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsofLibertyRadio.com and also SonsofLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, head over to SonsofLibertyMedia.com and you got two uh, videos there at the top of the screen. The one on the left is Bradley's show from yesterday. You can watch that up until 3 o'clock this afternoon, 3 Eastern, uh, if you didn't get to see it yesterday. And, um, yeah, he'll be live at 3 o'clock. So you want to catch him live, 3 o'clock's your time. Go to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, left side of the page there. On the right side is where we're at. Click on the play button, blow it up on whatever device you got, and uh, then, if you would, click on the Rumble icon in the bottom right-hand corner and join us in the chat on Rumble. We are streaming to Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live. 
Be sure, be sure to uh, subscribe to the channel there. We're also on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page there. DLive.TV at The Sons of Liberty. And then we're on a variety of smaller little Facebook pages, my public and private one, uh, over there on Facebook. And, uh, yeah, uh, Twitter, if you happen to be on that, the real Tim Brow 2. Don't put the N in there for Brown. Brow 2. Yep, it's my fault, but that's where you can go if you're on Twitter. We're also, um, well, I didn't start up the stream this morning on Telegram. That's my fault. But normally we will be screaming, uh, streaming, uh, we'll be screaming on there too, right? Uh, streaming on Telegram as well on our channel, Sons of Liberty. Uh, while you're there at sonsoflibertymedia.com, right up under where we're streaming live, is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. Uh, those come in the evening, uh, seven, eight o'clock Eastern, something like that, is when they're when they go out. And uh, be sure to sign up for that. If you want our ministry email, go to sonsoflibertyradio.com. Sign up there. If you'd like to help us and you agree with our message, you can click on the donate button and uh, support us with that—a one-time donation—or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty. And truly, we we really do thank you guys for supporting us. Uh, in the ministry, because without you doing it, we have no means of, of, of making that happen. And so God works through his people, and, uh, and we're grateful to you for that. Um, you know, I can remember watching some of these cats uh, on television who are making millions of dollars and stuff, and, you know, just constantly pleading with people, you know, for for money and stuff like that. I hate doing it. I try to get it out of the way, because the Lord knows what we have need of. Uh, we ask him to meet our needs. And I, I can speak on a personal level. Many of you have have been moved along by God to come and help uh, meet personal needs that our family have uh, as 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 thanks. And I'm I, I'm very touched by that, and I'm very grateful to that. So thank you very much. Our store is also available. Uh, this I didn't bring it up, but this week only we're we're offer or we're highlighting Bradley's My War comic book. And that's the one done by artist Danny Bulanati. I think he mentioned it on the show yesterday. He was talking about that. And, um, yeah, I trimmed my beard so little hairs fall off. And it's still, it's in that phase um, where, you know, if you grow your hair out, it, when it gets here to your ears, it kind of does this wing thing, you know? And it's up there. The, the beard gets like that right now. So it's got to get some weight on it before it starts hanging out. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> He's talking about his his comic book and what he did to set that up and things, and the time that it took. I think he said a year and a half for that guy to do that comic book. Incredible, and it's really really well done. Normally fifteen dollar donation this week only through Saturday at midnight. You can get twenty uh, percent off, I believe it is, with the promo code Comic Twenty. Comic and the number twenty uh, does that for you. Now um, let me bring up a couple of things before we uh, get into the topic today. And, you know, I got to tell you, it's it's really interesting uh, what all that we're we're seeing going on, um, especially, especially with uh, the, the news that had came out there that, well, I'm using. Sorry, they're asking in the chat here. Yeah, no, I, I use beard butter. I make my own. In fact, I've got a jar back here uh, behind the desk. I I came across some great salsa. Uh, called Ariba. Uh, I'm not doing a commercial here for him, but it was great uh, at the Scratch and Dent place, like a buck fifty for this big old massive jar of it, and uh, it makes your it makes your mouth happy. Let's put it that way. And um, you you've got, um, I, you know, guys. I don't know. Everybody's cleared out of the blocking over there. I don't know. Um, I, 
I'll go and look again. Facebook continues to move things around, and trying to find out where your block list or any of that stuff is, is, I mean, it's like trying to find a needle in a haystack. So I apologize. I'll look after the show, but I, the last time I looked there, I even took people that I purposely blocked off off the list to make sure everybody was out of that. So I don't know what's going on there. Uh, that must be a Facebook issue or something. I, I really don't. I really don't know. Um, but there, you know, yesterday the news was about Joe Biden. Now, before we get to that, let me hit, and that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about this, what he said with regard to the Second Amendment. Okay, and again, I only really like to go to the Constitution to point out, to lay it on them. This is what they said they were going to do. This has nothing, it has nothing to do with me or you. It has to do with them. They're not keeping their word. They're breaking their oath. Okay? But let me highlight just a couple of things we got at sonslibertymedia.com before we get to that. Uh, Bradley's article from yesterday, Neglecting the Obvious, This is Why This is Happening in America Today. Take time, uh, a time to take a look in the mirror. Um, also, proposed actions. If you missed the show yesterday, we had Ann uh, on with us as well as Lynn, and um, they're turning the U.S. kids into human capital. They are—they have constructed, and they—they're not just doing it now. It didn't just start with Obama. This has been going on for well over a uh, hundred years in this country. Well over a hundred years. We have been Marxists. We have been Marxists at the foundation of our political structure. Okay. It's been over. We have been beguiled by the devil. That's what we've been done. That's what's been done. This is why people are discovering that they've been enslaved in the 13th and 14th Amendment. By the way, if you don't think that's true, I challenge you. Go in your Constitution and look up the word citizen and see how it's used. Okay? Then when you come to the 13th and 14th Amendment, see how citizen is used. Notice that the prior will be capitalized citizen. And when you get to the 13th and 14th Amendment, when it references citizen, it is a citizen of the United States, and it is a small c. That is purposeful of what they're doing there. This was stuff that we're talking about before uh, in the shows that we did previously. Also, these two men understood what it was to fight tyranny in the USA. We could learn a lot from their example. I mentioned to you guys yesterday the Warriors of Honor, Stonewall Jackson, Robert E. Lee. This is on that. And then I've also included some interviews I did with David Zuniga at Tactical Civics on Abraham Lincoln, the real hijacker of America. That's when all this stuff started. Okay, It began then. Uh, also, uh, with my, my interviews with Thomas DiLorenzo, who is a real expert in the history of Lincoln and the War of Northern Aggression, uh, I think you'll find those interesting. I had to re-upload a couple of them because they were on YouTube, and when YouTube killed my channel, they weren't there, so I had to you know, fiddle through Facebook, download my old shows, and re-upload them. So, but they're there. You can check them out. Also, a federally appointed immigration magistrate has been arrested for what? Smuggling illegal aliens. Now, these guys were drenched. They were soaking wet because they had just crossed the river, okay? And he tried to say, oh, I was just trying to help him out. This guy said he needed a, he needed to get to work, so I was going to give him a ride. And what Next thing I know, three guys jump in my back seat. <laughs> and the whole time he's, he's passed other cops, he didn't stop and say, hey, these guys are probably, you know, 
coming into the country legally. No, no, no. They had to pull him over uh, to find out what was going on. Ridiculous. How the U.S. government created a student loan crisis is also at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. This one right here, I'm telling you right now, guys, it is not Biden who's going to come for your guns or try to take your kids or give you a shot. Uh, it's not Biden who's going to be, you know, pulling you. He's going. It's it's the guys in blue here. And here, Columbus police break into a man's home. They had a cert, They had a, they had a warrant for him. They didn't come in the middle of the daytime. They came at two thirty in the morning. Two thirty in the morning. Yeah, they're making a lot of noise. They're sending the dog. They say, "Oh, the dog's going to bite you if we send him in there." And they send him in there and all. And the guy is conked out. Apparently, any of you guys ever been so tired that all kinds of racket would be going on in the house? Kids making noise in and out of the room and all this, and you just are sound asleep. You're just oblivious to it. Well, apparently, this guy was laying in bed. These guys go in, open up the door on him, and and those of you on who see the video. You can see the guy just sat up in bed. As soon as he sat up, the guy popped him right in the gut. Shot him in the gut. These four or five of them, they're like a little gang, okay? Coming in, well, they don't know what they're dealing with. Well, how about coming in the daytime? How about just knocking on the door instead of coming in like a military unit uh, looking to sweep the house? Shoot him and kill him. That's the thin blue line right there. The line between your life and your death. That's what it is. Okay? And then we're going to talk about this one. Let me make mention of this first. Uh, Jerry uh, Newcomb, this is a new one from him, Make 1984 Fiction Again. Uh, I love that, that title. I know it's a slogan for shirts and stuff, too. Uh, that's the latest from Jerry Newcomb. This is the one we're going to be talking about today. Biden tells brave right-wing Americans, Second Amendment is no match for his F-15s. And that's by Matt Agris. Now, what I want to do is I want to start off with this. I want to start off playing you this this video. I'm going to stop it once or twice because normally I like to just let it let it play. You hear it, and then I'll make my commentary. Okay? But there's going to be like one or two places that I stop it, and then we're going to start looking at this back through our history because I think if you actually believe in the Second Amendment, if you actually believe in it. And I'm not talking about just the right to keep and bear arms, okay? I'm talking about that first part, too. You have a right to keep and bear arms, not only for your defense, your family's defense, but for anybody's defense. You know, we took a a concealed weapon course down here years ago. Uh, The former sheriff of Spartanburg was the one who taught it. And in South Carolina, he said, basically, if somebody comes in, and they can, let's say you're in a jewelry store, and they come in and they pull out their gun and they put it to the uh, the, the the jeweler, the owner, whoever's there, uh, their head. They walk them to the back, open the safe, give me all your cash, give me your stuff, this, that, and the other. He says you have every right to assume the rights of the person who is being assaulted. And he said, you can pull out your Desert Eagle 50 cal, and you can blow his head clean off with no repercussions. Why? Because you're protecting life. You're assuming the rights of the person whose rights are being violated at that time. And he's exactly right. That's how it should be, not just here in the States. That should be everywhere. That is a God-given right. And again, we got to get out of this mindset of calling them civil rights. 
Okay, we we got to get out of that mindset. We got to get out of the mindset of calling them constitutional rights. They are God given rights, which means. I don't care if they rewrite the Constitution or not. I don't care if they strip the Second Amendment out. It is still a God-given right. That document does not give us our rights. It doesn't. And we got to get out of that mindset, guys. Well, if they change the law, well, they've been writing laws to undermine the Second Amendment all over the place. In fact, the National Guard is an affront to the Second Amendment. Let me say it again. The National Guard is an affront to the Second Amendment. Our forefathers never had an idea that a federalized militia was what they were talking about in the Second Amendment. And not just from what they said, from what they did. Go back and look at what the militia was made up of. It wasn't enlisted men. It wasn't any of that stuff. So we need to get that out of our minds. Because what happens if they do do away with it? Are you just going to go along with it? Well, we don't have a Second Amendment anymore. You're going to change your. You need to change your language now. Thank you, Bethany. By the way, for reminding me, I sent out good morning this morning. That's where I got twisted up yesterday, and I didn't do my whole spiel. Uh, was I trying to get good day in my head? And um, <laughs> you can see I do try to correct my language. Uh, where I see it's deficient, and I, I want to say it properly. I, I really do want to do things uh, right. So anyway, what I want to do is I want to play this little short blur. It's about one minute, and again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause it in maybe one or two spots just to um, make a couple of points, and then we're going to start looking back in history, and we are going to look to the Constitution. We're going to look at and see what it had to say and what took place before when we talk about this thing. This is uh, This is Joe Biden kind of rambling through here, and uh, yeah, you figure it out. I have two shotguns at home. I can't, it's a long story, but I not oppose the gun. I, I tell you, but I support the Second Amendment. And no, I support doesn't. the Second Amendment. But the Second Amendment, as one of the most, one of the most conservative justices in history, Justice Scalia once wrote, like, quote, like most rights, the rights granted by the Second Amendment are not unlimited. All right, let's just put that, uh, let's just put this to bed. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It is unlimited. The right to keep and bear arms, Joey, is not to be infringed. Now, let me make clear for some of you who continue to go in the indoctrination where you want to limit certain arms. Some of you, and he'll say it in a minute, you can't own a machine gun. Yeah, you can. You just have to pay the government for it. 300 bucks, and you can own one. Mm-hmm. Got to register it with them, but you can own one. They're infringing on your right to own a machine gun if you want to have one. You can't own a cannon. Yes, you can. Lots of people own cannons. Historical ones. We had uh, Dr. Irwin, uh, not Irwin, um, Gosh, what was it? What's the guy's name? He's up there in Virginia. Really strong constitutional attorney. And uh, he said, you know, I told him, I said, I think it'd be cool to have a howitzer sitting out here, you know, and, and own that puppy. And uh, he goes, what, what, do you, what do you want a howitzer for? You know, my goodness, are you crazy, man? And this, that, and the other. And he says, it takes 18 men to work it. I said, then what are you worried about one, one guy owning it for? You know, what are you, what are you worried about? Years ago, Pierce Morgan asked two, two ladies, I forget their names. Uh, what do you guys want? You want a tank? Of course. 
Of course. Arms are arms. They are not limited by what somebody else thinks is more dangerous than the other thing. Some of you have state laws that say, oh, you can't have a folding knife with a blade over such and such inches, or you can't have a, a, a straight blade with a, you know, that's so long. You can't do that. Is that what the Constitution says? Is it what it says? No. It didn't give them any authority over that. Now, does it give authority to make sure the militia is regulated? Yep, absolutely. But it simply means made regular. It doesn't mean you're sticking all these stipulations all over them. You make them regular in the states. Do we have any militia? <laughs> I mean, we do have some. We do have some throughout the states. Some of them might be questionable as far as are they set up properly, even according to our Constitution. But... Do we have some? Yeah, we have some. We have some. We saw some show up at Bundy Ranch, and some people don't like that they showed up. You know what? This and, and, and I got some friends who were against those guys, said, oh, that was a clown show. Let me tell you something. Had those guys not been out there, those people at, at Bundy Ranch probably would have been slaughtered. So whether you think it was perfect or great, it was at least an attempt to go and love your neighbor and stand in the way of tyrants who were out there killing their cattle, didn't have a problem doing that, and stand in the midst of them. Let me, let me give you, for instance, where Joe is pulling this. And Scalia is absolutely wrong. Okay, he's, Well, he's dead wrong now, but he's wrong. It is unlimited. Here's where the problem comes. Is when you take your rights and you commit crimes with them. That is unacceptable. But that doesn't limit the ability you had to own arms, to keep and bear them. Do you understand? There's, there's two different things. You have a right to have matches. You can get them, right? You got a right to have some matches. But you don't have a right to use those matches to go burn somebody's house down. That is not a limitation on your right to own matches any more than it is for you to own a gun and then you lose that right by going out and committing a crime against somebody else. Does that make sense? All right. Same thing happens with the First Amendment because I've heard Chuck Schumer and all those knuckleheads up in New York and all that who will make the argument and will say, well, the First Amendment isn't, and they'll go, you can't just, you know, you can't go into, they use the crowded theater and yelling fire thing. You can't go into, you can't go into crowded theater and yell fire. That's a limitation on there. And I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It is perfectly lawful for you, if there is a fire in that theater, for you to go in and to warn the people there's a fire, head for the exits. Is that lawful? Yep. Why? You're trying to preserve life. If you go in there and yell fire in a crowded theater when there is no fire and people get trampled, people get hurt, and all this other stuff, guess what? You've committed fraud. Now, let me show you what they're trying to do here before I play the rest of Joey. Joey wants to limit your ability to have specific arms. Okay? Let me give you the parallel to what I just gave. It would be like, because we, we, won't, we don't uh, think you can yell fire in a crowded theater, before you go into the theater, you need to put this piece of duct tape over your, mass, or over your mouth. That's the same thing of what he's saying. Do you see the ridiculousness of this? 
he is wanting to limit your right to keep and bear arms. And he's trying to beguile you and deceive you. And it would be the same thing again. You go into a movie theater, you're going to watch a movie, you might whisper and this, that, and the other before the movie. You might even laugh or this, that, and the other. But to ensure that you don't yell fire in that theater, we need you to put this piece of duct tape over your mask, over, over your mouth. That's what they're doing. It's just, that's what they're doing. And it's stupid. But some people buy into it. And I asked journalists, your, your ability to report a story isn't unlimited. Yep, when you come in, um, we're going to give you, instead of, instead of you having a typewriter or, or, a, or a computer or a pen, you can only do journalism with this hammer and this chisel and a piece of rock. This way, you'll take time writing your stories, and it'll really uh, make you think about what you're writing so you don't write anything wrong. I mean, it's something similar to that. Something similar to it. Wanting to restrict the rights of the people who haven't done anything wrong because they want to be God and they want to stop all bad things happening because they think they're gods. But they're not. They're not. Here's the rest of what Joe has to say. They're not unlimited. And look at these right fools now, clapping. You can't buy an automatic weapon. You can't go out and buy a cannon. Yeah, you can. And for those brave right-wing Americans who say it's all about keeping America, keeping America's independent and safe. If you want to fight against a country, you need an F-15. You need something a little more than a gun. No, I'm not joking. Okay, this is this is the this is the last place I'm gonna stop, and then we're gonna we're gonna play the rest of it. It's only a few seconds left. I want you patriots out there, real patriots, not you right-wingers. Remember, the, the Bible says over and over, don't turn to the right or the left. Do what the Lord commanded. He commanded that of Joshua. He says, be a strong and of good courage. Don't get on the right. Don't get on the left. Stay, stay on what the law is. Okay? Stay on the law. But here's what he said. Oh, you can't fight the country without the F-15s. Every patriot hearing that said, Yep, we need F-15s, Joey. We need some tanks, too. We need a couple of warships. In fact, we need uh, wealthy American patriots to start going back, and I'm going to make mention of this in just a little bit, and start buying their own warships, buying their own jets, buying their own tanks, buying their own bazookas, their RPGs. We need them to start doing that. Real American God-fearing patriots. They need to start doing that. Tim, are you, are you gearing up for war? Let me tell you something. They are warring against us. How many people don't get that? They are warring against us. And we better be prepared. I'm, I'm all for owning an AK or an AR or handgun and all that. I think you should have them. But you need to be thinking on a larger scale, too. Because they're going to be bringing in the big guns, and they don't want you having those. Because if you have those, you'll show just how much of a coward they are. They won't come in. They won't come in. Here's the final few seconds here. Think about this. Think about the rationale we use that's used to provide this. And who are they shooting at? Shooting at these guys behind me. Folks, look. 
Okay, so oh, shooting at the guys behind me. There's some military guys or whatever. Well, you know what? If you're in the military, and I don't care who you are, if you're in the military and you're committing treason against the people by acting under this illegitimate criminal, pedophile, well, then you are the enemy of the people. I don't know any way to say it. I don't know how to say it nice. You're an enemy of the people. And frankly, our forefathers would have took each one of these guys in their little dress uniforms and this joker who's talking. They would have put him through due process and hung him out in the streets. Every one of them. If they were convicted, they would have hung every one of them. And they would have needed a gun or an F-15 or a warship to do it. They would have done that. See how far we are from where our forefathers were? We cringe at the thought. And look, I think some of them did too, but they carried it out knowing that it was going to preserve liberty for the people by dealing with the criminals. Now, years ago, uh, I wrote several articles on the Barbary Wars, and I often thought um, the Barbary Wars was just a, uh, a great um, instance, not only of learning about how our forefathers dealt with Islam, and they did. Um, you know, Thomas Jefferson, it's, it's, ama- it's kind of interesting to me, uh, some of these Islamists who go to Congress, who shouldn't be there in the first place, but they go there to Congress, and they want to swear in on Thomas Jefferson's Quran. Well, the reason Thomas Jefferson got that Quran was to find out what your founder, Muhammad, that pedophile, murdering, thieving pedophile, he is, and no no Islamist apologist can deny it. The guy married a little nine-year-old girl. That's prepubescent. He was a pedophile. They found, he found out what Muhammad's thinking was, which is what he taught his people. And that's why the Barbary Wars occurred, because the Islamists were capturing our people and our ships. And he says, i got to know what I'm dealing with. So he got the Quran and he read it. The Islamists are swearing in on a book that Thomas Jefferson, our second president, took and read and understood his enemy. That's what he did with it. And then on top of that, excuse me, third president. And then what he did on top of that was what? Petition Congress for letters of mark and reprisal. What is a letter of mark and reprisal, Tim? I, I've never heard this before. Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1. Okay, here it is. It is a license giving authority to a private citizen, not a military, okay? Not a military, giving authority to a private citizen, allowing the citizen to engage in reprisals against citizens or vessels of another nation. Exclusive power to grant letters of mark lies with Congress pursuant to Article 1, Section 8, Clause 11, 
of the U.S. Constitution. So what, is, what does that mean? It means instead of, you know, if you've got a problem like they had with the Barbary Wars, you don't gear up your military, which at the time they had a navy. And they had their militia. You don't, you don't gear up, you know, your navy in the name of the United States. Nope, you give letters of mark and reprisal to private citizens. That's just old rednecks like me and some of you and some who are not rednecks. <laughs> to go and fight on the behalf of the United States. And that's what they did. And they would take the Marines over. But they went over on private warships. Private warships. That's what was used. And it's, uh, it's real interesting. Um, you know, what went on there? There's a whole history there. I'll have some links up so that you guys can, can check that. Okay? Um, but here's the thing. They did this, and it was very clear that Jefferson knew who his enemy was. He was ready to fight them, but he wasn't going to bring the U.S. Navy into it to do the fighting. Okay? So they used private warships. Well, think about that a second. Private warships. Okay? These private warships were owned by private citizens in the old-style understanding of citizen, okay? The question I have is, when Joey says, you can't own a cannon, you can't own a machine gun, you need an F-15, this is what I've been saying all along. Yeah, we do. Why are you restricting us? By the way, an arm is the extension of the man. In fact, when you go back and you look up the term, and I'll just bring it up just to, uh, just to, to show you uh, what I'm talking about here. When you go to... Um, uh, my microphone's in the way here. When you go to Webster's 1828, and you look up the term arms, I want you to see what's going on here. This is from... Uh, you can find this at Webster's Dictionary 1828.com if you've got the, the hard version of that. Um, which costs you about 50 bucks, I think, uh, you can look it up there. Arms, uh, as a noun, weapons of offense or armor for defense and protection of the body. Okay? And then it goes on down, and he gives, uh, to be in arms, to be in a state of hostility or in a military life, to arms is a phrase which denotes a taking arms of war or hostility, particularly a summoning to war. To take arms is to arm for attack or defense. Bred to arms denotes that a person has been educated to the profession of a soldier. The ensigns, and he goes on and he speaks about the ensigns armorial of a family consisting of figures and colors. Obviously, that's you know, a coat of arms. That's where we talk about that. Uh, the fourth one is, in law, arms or anything which a man takes in his hand in anger to strike or assault another. Uh, in botany, one of the seven species of fulcra or props of plants enumerated by Lynn and others. Uh, he goes on with that. 
Uh, to sire arms are such as may be charged with powder as cannon, muskets, mortars, etc. Notice that. He just referred to cannons, mortars. Now, didn't Joey just say, you can't have that? But Noah Webster, in his 1828 dictionary, brings up cannons as part of arms. Hmm. The right of the people to keep and bear cannons shall not be infringed. Joey, you communist up there in D.C., what are you not understanding? He goes on and he says, A stand of arms consists of a musket, bayonet, cartridge box, and belt with a sword, but for common soldiers a sword is not necessary. In falconry, arms are the legs of the hawk with the thigh to the foot. So he gives you all the definitions there, but he's very clear to refute what Joe Biden just said. I mean, he specifically mentions a cannon. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty clear. Pretty clear. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. So, what went on? Well, they used private warships, would have been, which would have been um, a use of arms. Not to mention their swords and their muskets and their pistols and all this other. Well, Tim, how's a ship an arm? See this thing right here? This is your arm. How do you drive that ship? You drive it with your feet. You drive it with talking about it. Now, you drive it with your arms. It is an extension of you. How about a fighter jet? What are you driving that thing with? You're driving it with your arms, flying it, however you want to put it. What about a tank? You drive it with your arms. What about a bazooka? You fire it with your arm. Yeah, I know you're using fingers and hands. I'm giving the whole thing here of what he just laid out. Any weapon should not be feared in the hands of good, lawful men. No weapon should be feared. Why? Because a good, lawful man will only use it against an evil one. They will only use it against the wicked. Now I want to ask you something. What is Joe Biden and his master's and the people up under him, who are they looking to use their arms against? The wicked? Oh, that's what they tell you. But they wanted to find people like me or Bradley or you as domestic terrorists. You know, there was a... Um, there was a... Uh, let me see. I, I think I've got it on the desktop here because I had to download it and I was going to re-upload it. This is... Um, Bring it over here and kind of blow it up. This was under Obama. This came out from the Department of Homeland Security. I just happen to have this on the desktop because, again, I haven't uploaded it. Um, some people dumped all my stuff that I had uploaded, and it drives me crazy because I had lots of links to this stuff. Anyway, right-wing extremism, current economic and political climate fueling resurgence and radicalization and recruitment. Now, this thing is... It's, it's fairly long. As I scroll through here, I don't remember exactly where they they had things, but they say, oh, there's all these threats. So pardon me, if you got if you get a seizure from me <laughs> scrolling so fast, I do apologize. I, I'm not trying to, to make it hard, but I, I'm wanting to see. There was a list, and I, I brought the list out in um, 
in in an article, and I probably should just have brought up the article and read off the list. Uh, but within this, they have a list of people who may be, you know, domestic terrorists. This is the way they say. And I remember going through it. Okay, it's it must be uh, this. It's been years since I even saw this thing. Um, but they they went through it, and among the people who are potentially domestic terrorists, Christians, patriots, people who had gas and flags, um, people who believed in the Constitution, spoke about the Bill of Rights, um, all kinds of stuff. There was about, I don't know, 70, 80, 90 things that they had listed. Only one of them actually referred to Islam. Okay? I think they even threw Mormonism in there, too. I, I think they threw Mormons in there, too, as part of it. They have made the people their enemy. Now, this isn't new. The people have been the enemy for a long time. Remember when we had Ron Gibson on to talk about the 12 presumptions of the court? I think it was Ron. It was either Ron or Roger Sales who, who said that after we had him on that, that next week. They talked about how we've been the enemy for a long time. We have. We've been the enemy of the usurped government known as the United States. We've been their enemy. This is why the states need to get together and just secede, or abolish it, or both. This is why they need to do it. They are, we are in a war. This is not going to be. This is not going to come down to oh, you know, let's just talk this out. Nope, they'll talk it with you. They'll, they'll be the devil, and they'll talk with you. But in the end, they're at war with you. And me. And we've got to realize that is exactly what is going on. One guy uh, in writing, or excuse me, this actually comes from history.state.gov, so it's a government website. And it's interesting what they actually write here about when we go uh, to the Barbary Wars. That's kind of where I'm pulling from to refute Joey. Here's what it says. Uh, let me scroll down here so it gets in the middle of the page. But, um, you know, later on, it, they give all kinds of, of stuff here. And he says, when the U.S. naval expedition arrived in Algiers, a new ruler, Day Omar, was in power. Omar wished to restore order after several years of political instability and was acutely aware that he could no longer count on British support against the Americans. Decatur had already defeated two Algerian warships, captured hundreds of prisoners of war, and was in a favorable position for negotiation. Um... He goes on and he says, uh, Having defeated the most powerful of the Barbary states, Decatur uh, sailed to Tunis and Tripoli and obtained similar treaties. And Tripoli, Decatur, or Decatur, however you want to say his name, also secured from Pasha Karamanli the release of all European captives. The U.S. Senate ratified Decatur's or Decatur's Algerian Treaty on December the 5th, 1815. Day Omar repudiated the treaty, but another U.S. squadron arrived after a combined Anglo-Dutch bombardment of Algiers, and U.S. Commissioner William Shaler dictated 
the terms of a new treaty which contained essentially the same provisions as the old one. Shaler concluded his negotiations on December 23, 1815, but the Senate, owing to an accidental oversight, did not ratify the treaty until February the 11th, 1822. An oversight cost them seven years. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, they're really doing their job even back then, aren't they? Ah, <laughs> uh, I say all that to say this. When these politicians start living in their own homes and start making these foolish kind of statements and start trying to write law, which is pretended law. Look, we go to the, the, um, the Declaration of Independence. And this is exactly what Thomas Jefferson was writing about and those men who signed that document. This is exactly what they were talking about when they were talking about George. Um, let me see if I can bring this up really quick. But they called it pretended legislation. All right, let's go to the Declaration of Independence. And this is sort of the ways down here. Look at this. He has combined, this is what they're calling out the king for. He has combined with others to subject us, notice that, not let us be free and deal with criminals, but to subject us to a jurisdiction, and this was something we talked about before with uh, Roger Sales, this is something we talked about with Brent Winters last week, if you missed those shows, subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our Constitution. What's going on in D.C. is not the government of the United States of America. What is going on is the corporate governing of the United States. That's what's going on in D.C. It is far, Bradley's exactly right. It is foreign to our Constitution. Why? Because they are foreigners. They are foreigners. And let me just put this in here, too. Yesterday, for Bradley's show, he wanted me to use a picture. Um, he said, get something with Oliver Cromwell and King Charles I getting his head cut off. So, you know, I got the picture. I guess that's the executioner. I don't think that's Cromwell, because Cromwell was really disturbed by it. He, he didn't want to have to do it, but he knew there was no other, other way to do it. Okay? Here's the thing. They had to deal with him... Why? Why did Cromwell have to deal with Charles? Because England was Protestant. England was Protestant, and Charles knew he was losing his grip on power. And what did he do? He called the Catholics, the Roman Catholics, in against his own people in England. And that's why they couldn't let it stand. Why? Because Rome is apostate. It didn't have a true saving gospel. It was shearing the sheep. It was fleecing the flock. It was after money and power and sexual favors. I'm not saying anything that historians, even Roman Catholic historians, haven't written about. And that's why he had to be dealt with. And I want to ask you something. We did a show, I did it with Johnny Cerucci, in which we, he, he went down and showed. Majority of our Supreme Court is what? Are they Protestant? Nope, they ain't a Protestant on the, on the bench. 
majority of them are Roman Catholics. How many Roman Catholics are in D.C. as representatives or senators? Scalia, he was a Roman Catholic. Oh, by the way, what is Ron DeSantis, the guy they're putting up for you guys? He's Roman Catholic. You say, why are you making a big deal out of that? It was a big deal when Jack Kennedy ran for, for president. Many people don't know that. Now, go back and look. There was a lot of concern because there's an, a foreign allegiance to an individual known as the Pope, or better yet, Antichrist, Vicarious Christi. There's a foreign allegiance to that person and to that system. It's a big deal. And they want us disarmed. That's the only way they're going to be able to defeat us. And by the way, Joey says, you can't fight against the country, you know. And this, Well, we're not fighting against the country. We're at war with tyrants and criminals under them. They are not country. They are not our friends. They have become our enemies, and they've chosen their side. Now, the call to them is to repent and do what they should be doing. Many of those in this military leadership that's behind him should be repenting and should be arresting this guy because he's illegitimately in the people's White House. But they don't do it. And why don't they do it? Like many men, they are easily beguiled. They're easily seduced by their paycheck. Or they might get in trouble. You know, I watched... a. Uh, a Paul Harvey thing the other day. Uh, one of my son son-in-laws, um, yeah, one of my son-in-laws. I got two now. Uh, he was in. I said, "You ever you ever heard of Paul Harvey?" And he, he says, "No, I don't think I have." And then when I played, he said, "Oh, I know that voice from something. I think I have seen it." But there was a there was something here that Paul Harvey did um, on um, the founding fathers, and it was really interesting. And one of the things I want to do. I, I should have pulled this up, but I'm kind of doing it off the cuff, okay? So bear with me. One of the things I want to do is for those of you who have not heard this, and let me pause this just a second. It runs about 10 minutes, so it's going to go over just a little bit, okay? But I want you to hear. I want you to hear the difference of some of these men, what they gave up, because all of them were pretty wealthy. They owned land. Um, they had, many of them had tremendous wealth. And they gave it up, and you, you see the end of their lives. They bas many of them had nothing, or they had lost their families, or whatever the case may be. And I think that what we need to do is compare these guys. Whether you agree 100% with them or not, because there's stuff I got problems with with some of them too, but there's no doubt they believed in what they were doing. They believed in the cause. And so what I want to do is, in the final minutes of the radio show, I'm going to play this little little thing. It runs almost 10 minutes. This is from Paul Harvey. It's the Founding Fathers and the rest of the story. And I want you guys to get a sense of the kind of men we need to return to being. And I'm speaking to the men. I'm not speaking to you ladies. I know some of you ladies are very patriotic, and that's great and everything. I'm speaking to us as men, okay? And I think Paul Harvey is speaking to us as men. So I'll do this. We'll close out the show. I'll just continue long enough 
to finish out this on the other side, so it won't keep you long. So if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to hear the rest of this, jump on sonsoflibertymedia.com, beforeitsnews.com, dlive.tv at the Sons of Liberty, or you know any of those places I mentioned at first. Okay, So here it comes, and uh, we'll finish it up on the other side of the radio show. I'll close out just for that. Americans, the how and the why of our beloved republic are so much better known and understood than the who. The United States of America was born in 1776, but it was conceived 169 years before that. The earliest settlers had watered the New World with much sweat. They had built substantial holdings for themselves, for their families. And when the time came to separate themselves from a tyranny an ocean away, at best it meant starting all over again after the ravages of war. Researching what you're about to hear gave a whole new dimension to my reverence for our nation's first citizens. All others of the world's revolutions, before and since, were initiated by men who had nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. Our founders had everything to lose and nothing to gain, except one thing. Hello Americans, I'm Paul Harvey. You remember the cherry tree fiction. A long time after you have forgotten the more earth-shaking history-making episodes in the life of George Washington. You have misplaced in your memory the details of Ben Franklin's statesmanship, but you remember his flying a kite. Joyce Kilmer was a great military hero. But the only thing you personally recall about him is his poetic tribute to trees. Maybe of this current decade, that which will be remembered best will not be its wars and its moon rockets or its crumbling frontiers or the giants who lived and died. Maybe all that will survive to linger in the day-by-day -day vocabulary of generations yet unborn may be the, the songs of a Memphis minstrel or the reincarnation of electric automobiles. But for any eve of the 4th of July, I, Paul Harvey, do herewith bequeath unto you something to remember. You may not be able to quote one line from the Declaration of Independence at this moment. Henceforth, you'll always be able to quote at least one line. It's in the last paragraph where you will recall when I remind you, it says, We mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. In the Pennsylvania State House that's now called Independence Hall in Philadelphia, the best men from each of the colonies sat down together. This was a very fortunate hour in our nation's history, one of those rare occasions in the lives of men when we had greatness to spare. These were men of means, well-educated, 24 were lawyers and jurists, nine were farmers, owners of large plantations. All right, if you want to hear the rest of this, sonsoflibertymedia.com, top of the page there, you'll see it, or dlive.tv, the Sons of Liberty or before it's news.com, catch it there. Catch Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com. We'll be back to finish off the week tomorrow, bright and early, 6 a.m., Lord willing. All right, I want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio, and let's get right back to it. On June 11, a committee sat down to draw up a declaration of independence. We were going to tell the British fatherland, no more rule by redcoats. Below the dam of ruthless foreign rule, the stream of freedom was running shallow and muddy, and we were going to light a fuse to dynamite that dam. 
This pact, as Burke later put it, was a partnership between the living and the dead and the yet unborn. There was no bigotry, there was no demagoguery in this group. All had shared hardships. Jefferson finished a draft of the document in 17 days. Congress adopted it in July, and so much is familiar history. But now, King George III had denounced all rebels in America as traitors. Punishment for treason was hanging. The names now so familiar to you from the several signatures on that Declaration of Independence, the names were kept secret for six months for each knew the full meaning of that magnificent last paragraph in which his signature pledged his life, his fortune, and his sacred honor. Fifty-six men placed their names beneath that pledge. Fifty-six men knew when they signed that they were risking everything. They knew if they won this fight, the best they could expect would be years of hardship and a struggling nation. And if they lost, they'd face a hangman's rope. But they signed the pledge. And here is the documented fate of that gallant 56. Carter Braxton of Virginia, wealthy planter, trader, saw his ships swept from the seas. To pay his debts, he lost his home and all of his properties and died in rags. Thomas Lynch, Jr., who signed that pledge, was a third-generation rice grower, aristocrat, large plantation owner. After he signed, his health failed. His wife and he set out for France to regain his failing health. Their ship never got to France, was never heard from again. Thomas McKean of Delaware was so harassed by the enemy that he was forced to move his family five times in five months. He served in Congress without pay, his family in poverty and in hiding. Vandals looted the properties of Ellery and Clymer and Hall and Gwinnett and Walton and Hayward and Rutledge and Middleton. Thomas Nelson, Jr. of Virginia, raised $2 million on his own signature to provision our allies, the French fleet. After the war, he personally paid back the loans, wiped out his entire estate, and he was never reimbursed by his government. In the final battle for Yorktown, he, Nelson, urged General Washington to fire on his, Nelson's own home, which was occupied by Cornwallis. It was destroyed. Thomas Nelson, Jr. had pledged his life, his fortune, and his sacred honor. The Hessians seized the home of Francis Hopkinson of New Jersey. Francis Lewis had his home and everything destroyed, his wife imprisoned. She died within a few months. Richard Stockton, who signed that declaration, was captured, mistreated, his health broken to the extent that he died at 51. His estate was pillaged. Thomas Hayward, Jr. was captured when Charleston fell. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside while she was dying. Their 13 children fled in all directions for their lives. His fields and grist mill were laid waste. For more than a year he lived in forests and caves and returned home after the war to find his wife dead, his children gone, his properties gone. And he died a few weeks later of exhaustion and a broken heart. Lewis Morris saw his land destroyed, his family scattered, Philip Livingston died within a few months from the hardships of the war. 
John Hancock, history remembers best due to a quirk of fate rather than anything he stood for, that great sweeping signature attesting to his vanity towers over the others. One of the wealthiest men in New England. And yet he stood outside Boston one terrible night of the war. And he said, burn Boston, though it makes John Hancock a beggar, if the public good requires it. So he too lived up to the pledge. Of the 56, few were long to survive. Five were captured by the British and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes from Rhode Island to Charleston sacked, looted, occupied by the enemy or burned. Two lost their sons in the army. One had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 died in the war from its hardships or from its more merciful bullets. I don't know what impression you had had of the men who met that summer in Philadelphia. But I think it's important that we remember this about them. They were not poor men. They were not wild-eyed pirates. These were men of means. They were rich men, most of them, and had enjoyed much ease and luxury in their personal living. Not hungry men, certainly not terrorists, not irresponsible malcontents, not fanatical incendiaries. These men were prosperous men, wealthy landowners. They were substantially secure in their prosperity. They had everything to lose. But they considered liberty, and this is as much as I shall say of it. They had learned that liberty is so much more important than security, that they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. And they fulfilled their pledge. They paid the price. And freedom was born. Oh, if that didn't move you, I, I tell you, there's, there's really something to be said about that. I want to conclude with this. Again. I know you ladies are out there. Some of you got hearts of gold, lionesses, as uh, Salt said, uh, but for the men. And you women can take this too, but I'm speaking to the men. From Joshua, chapter 1, verse 6 and following. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous. Can't have courage unless there's a fear to overcome. Okay? That thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left. Stop following after the Republicans and the Democrats. If I can, I don't want to put words in God's mouth, but that's exactly what we hear today, isn't it? That thou mayest prosper. Whithersoever thou goest, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, 
whitherso thou goest. Amen and amen.